what makes you a really good baseball player is having your cold streaks be as short as possible. Because everyone's going to have hot streaks and cold streaks. And you want, everyone obviously wants to make your hot streak last as long as you can and the cold streak uh, not last very long. So it's figuring out those techniques to make sure the cold streaks and the slumps don't last very long at all. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Church here. New episodes dropping every Sunday. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can get the notification every time a new episode comes out. And if you're enjoying the podcast, share it with a friend who might also be into it so we can continue to spread the good word and connect with our tribe of others. Tommy Edmond, we're welcoming on the podcast today. Tommy is a starting infielder for the St. Louis Cardinals professional baseball team. Tommy and I grew up together since we were seven years old, and uh, I really enjoyed sitting down with him to unpack these last two years as he's been adjusting to life in the big leagues, especially this past year when the COVID season where they played 53 games in 43 days. Pretty crazy. So we talk a lot about his mindset, his strategy, his approach to playing the game at the highest level, what all kids dream of, how he battles through slumps and rides out hot streaks, and the role that faith plays in his life. Please join me in welcoming Tommy Edmond. Tommy, man, pleasure to have you here, bro. Yeah, of course, dude. It's good so, to be on here, man. It's so good to just be uh, catching up and to be recounting some old crazy memories from high school and whatnot. Yeah, we had some wild times for sure. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And you're coming up, We've you've clearly grown up because you're coming up on your one-year wedding anniversary, right? Yep, that's right. It's, Dang. It, dude, it is crazy to even say that. I mean, <laughs> it, it's been a wild year, but um, it's been an amazing year. One of the best years I've had. So Insane. So you're... Yeah, you were long since the little kids just messing around with everything and everyone, you know, getting onto sneaking onto rooftops to take pictures <laughs> and, and just like all the things. You're a married man. You are you are a homeowner in St. Louis. That's right. <laughs> and you've uh, and you're you're working a, a a job or you found a career for yourself. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Um, at least for the next hopefully fifteen or so years, and then yeah. like we were just talking about. You never know what's going to happen after uh, baseball career is over. So it's yeah. something you got to think about and kind of prepare for. But yeah, for now, I think I've got my career, uh, my career all, all uh, set up. That's pretty cool. Are you thinking about that now? Like, are you thinking about setting yourself up for life after baseball? Is that something that's active as you're, you know, in the first, you know, couple years? Um, not really so much. I mean, especially during season, I, I stay pretty locked in, yeah. um, on baseball. And, and then during the off season, I try, I try to, uh, do some things that might help me out later on once my baseball career is over. Um, whether that's, uh, just like sitting down and having talks with, 
uh, like my financial advisor, because mm-hmm. finance might be something that I might want to get into, something yeah. relating to that. Or uh, another one of my interests is statistics, like base, specifically how it relates to baseball. Right. So um, it's kind of fun just like reading articles about that kind of thing. And uh, I don't necessarily view that as me trying to set up what my future career could be, but just more one of my interests that I could see could end up helping me out later. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so you're you're one of the... The, speaking of statistics, you're one of the few people that has been able to make baseball, the sport that you love playing, an actual career. What is what is that like for you? Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, it's playing the Major League Baseball has been my dream ever since I was probably three and four years old once I started watching baseball on TV. And um, just to see that come to fruition after years and years of hard work and um, really committing myself to doing what I love and um it's wild. And I just remember that first day getting called up was just a surreal moment. Yeah. Take, yeah. take me through that day. Let's unpack that. Explain, yeah. explain what was going on. Like, well, how was that situation? I'm sure you've told the story a million times, but what was going through your head? What was, what was the situation? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was crazy. So I was in, uh, in AAA in Reno, I believe we had a road trip and I got called into the manager's office and I hadn't really had many days off that year. And he called me in and said, Hey, how are you feeling today? Like, do you need a day off or anything? And um, I said, no, no, I'm feeling pretty good. My, my body feels all right. And he said, well, you know what? I'm going to give you the day off uh, anyways. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then he continued on. He said, it's because you're going up to Chicago tomorrow. You're going to be joining the big league team at Wrigley Field. Wow. Um, so it was, once I once I heard that, I, my mind just exploded. Just blacked out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Completely blacked out. Was, um, called my wife, called my uh, my parents and uh, all my buddies and they were able to come out and so uh, we got a good crew out to Wrigley and um, just playing my first game at the historic Wrigley Stadium was unbelievable experience. I just remember actually going into the on-deck circle um, for my first AB. Um, I don't exactly look like a Major League Baseball player. <laughs> and when you're at Wrigley, the fans are right on top of you. So I got some I got some good heckling in. At <laughs> Getting heckled that. from the first yeah, yeah, yeah. stepping into that. Or people just, just I've gotten heckling. Bat Boy a lot. Uh, <laughs> hey, isn't it past your bedtime, Edmund? And, yeah, just funny stuff like that. Do you but, internalize? Like, do you hear it? Do you internalize it? Like, I mean, I'm sure it shifted when probably the first time. It might have been like, whoa, okay, this is different. But like, how, how, how does your role with that? Yeah, I mean, I was probably not as... In my first at bat, I definitely wasn't as focused on actually hitting as I needed to be in order yeah. to be successful. My mind was just all over the place. Like, yeah. oh, this is my first at bat ever or ever in the major leagues. This is like the moment that uh, my dream is coming true. So I was kind of all over the place at the time. But um, I think once I got a little bit more comfortable up there, um, I started to really just treat it more like a baseball game. And once I'm locked in in baseball, that's all I'm focusing on. And I'm, I'm, uh, I do a good job of trying to tune everything else out. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter if you've got thousands of shouting or heckling fans, like when you're yeah. locked in, you're like, and has that been a skill that you feel like you've built from playing baseball through the years? Yeah, I'd say so. I think, uh, especially in baseball when failure is such a huge part of the game that just to be able to block out all the distractions um, is an extremely important component, whether that's um, your lack of success earlier in that game or in the previous few days, or if that's just things like fans heckling you that are uh, trying to get in your head. Um, And I think that's something that almost every successful baseball player is able to do very well. You have to. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I would say even just past baseball too, but in life in general, whether you're a business owner, whatever it is, I feel like that there's a similar mindset or approach to that. What's your relationship like with failure? How do you view failure? What's your relationship like with it? Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to try to have that short-term memory. Um, 
And but at the same time, you still want to be able to learn from those failures. And in baseball, I mean, baseball is a game of adjustments too. So sometimes when you fail, if you get out of the plate, it's not necessarily anything you did wrong, but more the pitcher who executed well against you. So you can take your failure in one at bat, see what he did to you that at bat and take it into the next one um, and just make that adjustment. So it's, it's uh, you got to kind of find like a good mix of learning from those failures, but also being able to move on mm. and knowing that you can have success later in that game. That's interesting. Yeah. And do, are you taking, are you getting adjustment in real time? Like during the game, you go through your first at bat, you strike out or you ground out or something. Are you going to like a monitor or something and taking feedback? Are you talking to a coach or something during that time in between at bats? Yeah. Um, it's not so much like mechanical, like trying to change anything with mm -hmm. anything with the swing, but it's more seeing what the pitcher does um, and making adjustments based on what he's doing. So before every game, we, we have a, a hitters meeting where we talk about the pitcher, what he likes to do, um, and what we think he'll do that day to us. And say in the first inning, he comes out doing something completely different. Then we'll all talk amongst ourselves in the dugout and be like, okay, here's the adjustment we need to make. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the adjustment from at bat to at bat well, that we tend to make. What's an a example lot. of like that adjustment? Like you're expecting him to be doing what? And then he comes out the first inning doing something completely different. Like, for example, if a guy, we think a guy likes to attack with a lot of fastballs early, but he comes out in the first inning throwing a ton of breaking balls, mm -hmm. then that's something we need to adjust for. Be like, okay, we can't just expect him to lay a fastball over the middle of the plate for us. We have to know and like recognize that, oh, our, the, one of the best pitches we're going to hit is probably going to be a hanging breaking ball. So just small things like that. That's really, really cool. I feel like yeah. there's such a delicate balance between making those adjustments and learning from the failures and then moving on and letting it fly. How do you reconcile those? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's definitely tough. Um, I think it, there also is the two different uh, aspects of uh, making adjustments in game and mm -hmm. then from game to game. Um, Taking through that, yeah. Yeah, because in game, um, you're not really able to make too many adjustments in, like besides just seeing what the pitcher's doing and reacting to that. Um, but from game to game, once the game's over, say I went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, then I need to really reset my mind and not let that carry over into the next game. What I can do is think about what happened that game. Say I was chasing a lot of pitches. Um, I can think about that and say, okay, I need to make an adjustment to shrink my zone tomorrow and then have that confidence going into the next day saying, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shrink my zone and I'm going to have a really successful day this next day. Mm. So there's a difference between the uh, in-game and then the game-to-game. -game. Yeah. yeah. Where do you feel like where do you feel like more people struggle with? Game-to-game -game or in, in between games <clears throat> or in-game? Um, I would say, well, the... The best hitters are able to yeah. make the best hitters are able to make adjustments mid at bat. The great or the other good hitters are able to make uh, adjustments mid game, and then the people who struggle are the ones who can't even make adjustments between games. So if you watch like Mike Trout hit and Mookie Betts, you'll see him make adjustments in the middle of an at bat, mm. and it's really really impressive. Um, so I think it's. In order to be a successful hitter, you definitely have to be able to make adjustments in between games. And then in order to get to that elite level, it's kind of making that adjustments in a shorter amount of time. Got it. And do you yeah. look to people like Mike Trout or Mookie Betts? Do you look to them and 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 take some of those things away? Do you look at, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how far you go with mechanics or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Like, do you model other players out there in the league to how you can bring an approach to your game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something that I feel like you pretty much have to do. If you want to be the best player, then you should probably watch the best players and see what they do. 
and just see, okay, what do I do that's different from them, whether that's mechanically or their approach at the plate. So it's something that um, you have to do. And I think that applies to almost any anything in life. If you want to be successful, you should probably go see what the successful people are doing and try to like make see what the difference are between you and them and get your your uh your skills or whatever you're working on to their level yeah and what's interesting is because i remember when we were chatting last you were telling me about you you have to do that but you also have to like honor yourself through the process because if you try to go watch what mookie betts does you might fall and fail can you expand on that yeah 100 um i mean everyone everyone's different. Everyone is like in baseball, everyone's body moves differently. So some people are able to do things that other people's aren't, other people aren't like, I'm not the biggest guy in the world, so I'm not gonna be able to hit the ball as far as Aaron judge, no matter what I do. (laughs) So it's kind of staying within my game. And I guess what it is, is taking aspects of what the best players do and helping it to fit my game. Um, and cause you can't try to just, uh, completely change yourself into being a little mini version of that. You have to take what you do best and maybe take one or two things from what the best people do and incorporate I, that. I love that. And I can imagine that if you tried to just go out there and, and do everything the way that one player does it, yeah. you're going to just fall on your face and fail. Yeah, 100%. So you have to know yourself in that as well. Absolutely. What's yeah. What's been that process like for you knowing yourself? I would say in baseball and then beyond in life too. Yeah. Um, I mean, you really have to, like in baseball, the one, the one thing that I do a lot in order to like evaluate myself is just watch my swing. Um, and I know what my swing looks like when it's good. I know what my swing looks like when it's bad. Do most people um, have that understanding or awareness? Would you say baseball players I th- that level? I would say so. I definitely know some players who don't necessarily watch much video. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works for some people. And uh, I think some people would also do better if they're watching more video themselves. But that is something that's really important. Um, and I think for me, when I'm struggling, it's really good for me to go back and watch my good swings. Um, in order to notice, okay, here's what I was doing when I was hitting well, and here's what I'm doing now, and this is the difference right here. So clearly that's something that I need to work on. Um, so that's how I eva- self-evaluate myself on the field, is just watching my videos of of what I'm doing when I'm best. But, and you're just watching lots of film. Just yeah. L- just swing after swing after swing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of film for sure. That's pretty crazy. I mean, look, baseball yeah. is a game of streaks, right? And it's a game of, of momentum yeah. and runs. Yeah. How do you, I mean, you've had some hot streaks and mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had some cold streaks too. Like how, yeah. what's your, what's your mindset? How do you approach, how have you approached your hot streaks or cold streaks? How do you view mm-hmm. that all? Um, well, actually I heard it, uh, kind of early and earlier in my career, um, that what makes you a really good baseball player is having your cold streaks be as short as possible. Cause everyone's going to have hot streaks and cold streaks. And you want, everyone obviously wants to make your hot streak last as long as you can and the cold streak uh, not last very long. So it's figuring out those techniques to make sure the cold streaks and the slumps don't last very long at all. And what that looks like is trying to find the cues quickly to how to, to get out of that. Um, so I know a lot of people, I probably need to do a better job of this, but a lot of people uh, have notebooks that they write down like, okay, here's something that helps me a lot if I'm feeling bad at the plate um, and then going back to that. Um, and I think that that's just like really, really important to have, to have those few things that you can always fall back on. It's so funny. I'm smiling as you're talking because this is like, this is the, the parallels and analogies to life are just yeah. like <laughs> through the roof right now. And, and a lot of the coaching work that I do, working with people and, and different clients, specifically around like operational mindset stuff as it, it's the same thing. It's like you're going through, you're going to be going through times when like, 
yeah, things are good. We're riding high. Momentum's great. Like yeah. I'm in a flow, but then you're going to go through times where you feel like you've gotten off track and you're uh-huh. just in a slump or you're lethargic or you feel stagnant. And the whole thing that I always love talking about is like, it's those are, that's always going to happen, but yeah. how can you practice getting back quicker? How can you notice yeah. when you're starting to fall off and when you are falling off, how can you get back? What are those things you can do to get back? And then how can you come back with even more strength and wisdom that's going to keep you even stronger the next time? Yeah, hundred percent. And like you're saying, like when you have those, uh, I guess, failures or cold streaks, there's a lot that you can take out of that. You know, it's just going through that makes you stronger in the long run. Totally. Whether that's something you learn in, in the business world or or you learn about your swing in baseball, you know? Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. it's it's this idea of like, I was just talking about this the other day with someone that there's so much value when you get off track, right? He was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm off track or I've fallen off track. I was on a good groove. I was doing my meditation, my reading, my my business work. Like I was in a good groove and then I've fallen off track. Like everybody can relate to that. But there's so much value when you fall. I fall off track all the time too. Like oh, yeah. there's so much value because every time you fall off track, there's an opportunity to come back onto track. Yeah. And when you come back onto track, now you're coming back onto the track with more wisdom, maybe a new tool that you picked up to help you get back on track. Another, like that muscle gets stronger and that's really where the growth happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can 100% agree with that. So do you find that, does that change the way when you find yourself maybe going into a slump or cold streak? Mm -hmm. are, Are you presently aware of that? Yeah, I think so. I think that um, that's something that I try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every time I go into a cold streak, it makes me a little bit more aware um, of what I'm doing and what I need to work on in order to get to that next level. Um, and I'm sure that's the exact same thing with business as yeah. well, is you need to, like when you go into a cold streak because something in your business model is not working, then you need to really, really focus on that, hone that in um, so that you can improve upon that for when you uh get back and then you're getting back on that hot streak. Exactly. Yeah. It's always back to the basics is Mm -hmm. the way that I always say. It's like, you got to get back to the basics. And uh, a quote that comes to mind is like, success is the ruthless mastery of the basics. Uh It's like doing the basic things really well. Have you seen that that in baseball? Is that, would you say that's present in baseball as well? I think so. Um, I mean, a lot of the times too, when, when you're in a slump, it's because there's so many things going on in your head that honestly, one of the things that's the most important to do uh, when you're struggling is just to slow everything down and just focus on seeing the ball and hitting the ball. So, I mean, <laughs> stripping everything away. If you're thinking, oh, are my hands supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be here? What am I supposed to do with my legs? And you're not focused on seeing the ball, then how are you going to hit it? Yeah, it's <laughs> back to the basics. Back to See the, the ball, hit the ball. See the ball, hit It's the like ball. going back to, uh, to Little League when you're thinking, oh, I'm the best player on this field. Like, I'm going to crush this ball no matter what. Yeah. You know, just having that confidence. That's so good. Yeah. So, okay, speaking of Little League. Playing Little League together, super fun. Like yeah. our travel ball back team. Back to the Tories, yeah. Back to the Tories <laughs> in the old day. We had the whole squad. That's that was, right. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I learned very quickly that that group of guys were, was really, really good at baseball. Like Sage and I, I guess Sage and I were kind of on the same boat where it's like, we were playing baseball because it was fun and we wanted to hang yeah. out with our friends. All and the like, guys, yeah, yeah, we were athletes <laughs> and it was fun. But then very quickly we got to a point where it was like, oh, like, these guys care a different level about baseball. Like these guys are really, really into baseball. They're really, really good. And the level is like super high level. And that's probably when I faded off. At uh, that yeah. point, right? <laughs> um, so did you always have, I know your dad's a baseball coach too. Yeah, yeah. Did you always have that? Like, I want to be better at this. I want to get better. I want to go to the major leagues. Like I want to go all the way. Was that in your mind, even in the little league at that time? I think so. I think I've, I mean, especially in baseball, I've kind of always just had the mindset where I want to be the best player on the field. 
Um, and for me, since I'm not the biggest guy or have the most tools, um, that means I have to work a lot harder than everybody else. So um, it was just having that mindset of um, knowing that I need to be working really, really hard in order to make up for my lack of size. And I honestly think that being smaller when we were younger uh, kind of helped me out. Yeah. If, the, if you're a bigger guy who's stronger, you don't necessarily need to be that fundamentally sound. Um, you can just rely on your strength. And I think being small helped me in, uh, in locking in all the fundamentals, making sure my swing was uh, being able to maximize how hard I could hit it. Um, so I think that that has definitely been something that um, has kind of been part of my mindset is I need to be working harder than everybody else. And do you still feel that way today? I, I do think so, yeah. Um, and I think that that's also something that almost every Major League Baseball player probably went through at some point. Yeah. is I mean, there are definitely some guys who have just gotten to the major leagues just based on talent alone, just because they're so talented. But I would say a vast majority of major league baseball players mm-hmm. um, have at one point in their life been the hardest worker on the field yeah. and on their team. Yeah. That's really interesting. What is there any other um, parallels that you might see? Cause you've, you're interacting with, you know, you all your teammates mm-hmm. and all the other people from in the major leagues at this point and all the way through the minor leagues as well. And, and when you were at Stanford, is there anything that you can see like at this top level maybe that's one of them that they all were the hardest working person on the team. Like, is there any other like characteristics or traits or perspectives that you might be able to see you find across the board or with a high majority of people? I think it's definitely in mindset and the commitment to the game. I mean, I played with many, many players in the minors who had all the talent in the world. They were definitely talented enough to make it to the major leagues, but just were not able to uh, go into each game with conf- with the confidence that they needed. Um, and that's the mindset aspect of it is being able to, uh, know that you, uh, can have success, even if you haven't been successful in previous days or, uh, previous at bats, they just get in their head and aren't able to separate that. Um, and then the commitment part too, is just making sure you're taking care of your body, not having super late nights going out, um, drinking, like not, not, uh, making sure you're getting the, all the rest that you need. Mm -hmm. Um, I've definitely seen other players in the minors, uh, wash out because of that, because they haven't been, uh, doing everything that they can to make sure that their body is all set to be going the next day. You know? Yeah. It's a combination of those things. I, I want to unpack the confidence thing a bit more. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've developed that you've always had? Like when you got to the big leagues and you're kind of like, you know, a, a, a small fish in a, in a very, very big pond, mm-hmm. did you have to like redevelop that confidence? Is that something that carried over from the success you were seeing in the minor leagues? Yeah. I kind of thinking back to just the very beginning of my baseball career, I definitely had, I don't think there were any moments like until college maybe where I started to think, hey, maybe this isn't like, maybe I'm not the best player on the field here. I think my freshman year of college was the first time that I really struggled in baseball. Um, And there was definitely a mindset change um, that I had uh, in the middle of that year where I was thinking, okay, if I, I can't be thinking about my success that I've had earlier this year, all I can do is think about what I need to be doing um, to make myself better this year. Mm. And halfway through that freshman year, um, I ended up hitting a lot better and then uh, was successful the rest of my uh, collegiate career. And then again, in the minors, I kind of had that little stall out as well. Um, I think it was in double A. Um, I had a year where the sec- I got called up the second half of the year, and I don't think I was totally ready for that level yet. Mm. I struggled. Um, and I started to do a little bit better at the end of the year, but going into that off season, um, 
I had a, I had a really, really good off season, worked really hard. And, um, I was able to take the things that I struggled with that year, work on those things during the off season, and then go into spring training with the confidence knowing, okay, I'm a much improved player now than I was when I finished the year last year. And then I ended up having a good year that year. Um, so I think it's a combination of, uh, getting your mindset right. And then also taking advantage of the time off to, uh, improve on the things that, you know, you need to improve on. How important is the off season for you? Yeah, it's really, really important. Um, for me, I mean, just for now, the I'm just starting to get back into baseball stuff. I think it's important to just take a few weeks or a month off to just completely clear the mind, especially after this year. Especially after yeah. this year. Well, <laughs> yeah. what, what, take, take us through this year. What was this year different? Yeah, this year was, it was wild. I mean, we had pretty much three stoppages um, throughout the year because we had spring training got postponed. Um, and then we ended up going home for about three months and then started up again in June. Um, we thought we were going to be good from then on to the rest of the year. And, and after about five games of the regular season, we had a COVID breakout on our team. So we ended up having two weeks off. And once we got going again, we had missed two weeks of games. So we needed to make up those. I think we missed 11 or 12 games or something like that um, through the rest of the year. So we ended up having to play 11 double headers, I think, in the month of the end of August and the whole month of September. So, so how many games and how was, many days did it end up being? Do you know? It was, something? it was like 53 and 45 days or something wow. like that. Yeah. Did that take a toll on your body? It did. Yeah, for sure. I was definitely feeling it at the end. Um, yeah. so it was good to get that time off, but, yeah. um, I think kind of going back to, um, what you learned during the, uh, the trials, the time of trials, right. I think one positive thing I can take out of this is I really needed to focus on making sure my body was ready each and every day. So I learned some important uh, recovery techniques, um, making sure I was doing everything day to day. Because um, if I didn't do that, I would wake up feeling terrible the next day. Just not sore, even able to, exhausted, yeah, tired. And my body wouldn't be able to work the way that I needed it to. Yeah. So, so what do you do to prepare? Like, what's your preparation for games? And what's the recovery process like for you? Um. This year was a, a little weird because we had a limited amount of time we could spend at the field because of the COVID restrictions. So a lot of it I actually did, um, I would do a lot of body care at at home, at our condo in St. Louis, and then at the hotel on the road. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to bring uh, these recovery tools like a, a massage gun, mm -hmm. um, foam rollers. Um, I actually got a, an acupressure mat. Nice. Which, those things are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever gotten those Normatec boots? Those air compression yeah, yeah. boots? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, well, they have the the ones for the whole legs. Yeah. 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 yeah those so things. Good. Those things are really, really yeah. good. Yeah. I got I might get a set of those. But you should do it. Yeah. I, I I got one for the triathlon stuff that I do. Did you? And help for the running. Oh man, it's yeah. like there's nothing better than after just like a 15 mile <laughs> run, getting in those. They go all the way up to the hips, and just like the it feels so good. I can imagine yeah. after a game, it would feel really good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. And then uh, I know a lot of guys do cold tub. I didn't do cold tub as much this year. Um, but, uh, that's another recovery tool. And then post game, post game is just making sure I'm doing all that, uh, like rolling out, uh, mm -hmm. getting all the spots that, uh, saw a lot of wear and tear during that game, that specific day. And, um, it's just a whole routine that I kind of have. Yeah. And, and mentally too, was yeah. there a sort of mental preparation or decompression? Yeah, there definitely was our, uh, we had a couple of, I mean, we have a bunch of veterans on our team who are, um, unbelievable leaders in the clubhouse and they have just that mindset of um we're gonna win these games no matter what and we uh we kind of had like we had a we had a meeting before the season or before that second season started um 
where we sat down and said, hey, we know this isn't like the best of circumstances, but just treat this like you're going out in summer travel ball. Um, you're going to be playing a lot of games and we just want, uh, we want to make sure we're still having fun. Because if we're not, if we're going out there and we're thinking about all the games that we have to play over mm-hmm. the next month and a half, we're not going to play well. We're going to be, we're going to be stressing out. We're going to be thinking ahead. So just treat this like summer ball where we're, we're going to dominate that game today and then go out the next day and dominate another one. So just taking it, we really took a, try to take a day by day approach to the very, season. Very, very cool. Yeah. What, what's the role that veterans and, um, and some mentors, I guess you could say in the club, like what role do they play, especially for a younger guy like yourself? There, I mean, it is, it's incredible just being able to sit, uh, in a locker next to the, next to a guy like Paul Goldschmidt or Yadier Molina, who have played in the major leagues for 10 or 15 years. Um, and they've seen so many different things in the majors that they know what makes players successful and what makes players wash out eventually. So just being able to get like little tidbits from them and, and talking to them, asking questions. Um, like for example, Paul Goldschmidt, who has been, I think he's probably in his eighth or ninth year. Um, when I first got called up, I went into the video room and uh, there's a program that we have to watch video of pitchers. And I sat down, I had no idea what I was doing. I just clicked on the video program and I was just like kind of browsing through it. Like didn't really know what I was doing. And he was sitting right next to me doing his video work. And he looked over and he's like, Hey, like you need some help with that. And I was like, <laughs> just yeah. like lost in the system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing here. So he like showed me, I kind of sat by him and uh, he showed me what he did for his pregame video work. Um, and I learned from that, kind of incorporated that into mine and made some adjustments to what I thought I needed, um, what I needed to know. And just having someone like that who could help guide me through um, his process and what works for him was incredibly valuable. So cool. Yeah. I, was there a shift that had to happen? Because like, you know, guys like Wainwright and Yadi, like Yadier Molina and Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. Like these are guys that we grew up like just yeah. like, idolizing and looking up to and watching. Yeah. Like, legends, <laughs> yeah. right? Like is there, was was there a shift that has to happen? I mean, obviously like you guys are peers and teammates and there's still some sort of veteran mentorship um, relationship that you have there. But what was that like for you? Yeah, it was insane. I mean, I just remember going back to, uh, that 2011 World Series that they won. I think we would have been sophomores or juniors in high school. Yep. And Wainwright and Yachty were the were two key components on that team. And um, yeah, so I just remember going back to watching them back in middle school and high school. So that first spring training that I came in, I was kind of just in awe. I, <laughs> I probably didn't say a word the whole time I was there. I was probably just watching them and listening to their conversations. But um, once I got called up, uh, I had, I had two spring trainings under my belt. So I'd kind of become a little bit more comfortable with them and mm-hmm. started to view them a little bit more as peers and teammates. Um, but there was still definitely that component of, of knowing these guys have won two World Series right. championships. They've played 17, 18 years in the majors. They're probably both going to be Hall of Famers. Yeah. Um, so I still learn new things from them each and every day. And yeah. it's it's just wild. I actually was able to get signed uniforms for them this year, which is That's really sweet. cool. So I'm still I, I still am like a little kid, like <laughs> like getting autographs from my baseball heroes. But yeah, that's cool. Really you cool. gotta be. I feel like yeah. Well, definitely. and then and then it's got to be crazy too. I mean, when you're when you're playing every day and you're starting, you know, alongside of these guys, like mm-hmm. it's a trip for me watching. Like, oh yeah, there's like there's Yachty giving Tommy a high five after you know Yachty yeah. after Tommy <laughs> brings him home, right? Or like yeah. Yachty brings him home, like yeah. But, <laughs> and, and, I mean, how has that relationship evolved from being like everyday teammates and players? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's awesome. It, it's, 
we have a lot of fun in the clubhouse and uh, it's cool. Not necessarily as much this year. This year was kind of a bummer that we couldn't spend as much time together. Right. Um, but just all the bonding in the clubhouse, uh, bonding on the team flights and travel um, in the team hotels. That's one of my favorite things uh, that we got to do when I first got called up was when we'd fly into a new city, uh, a bunch of the guys would go out for a team dinner and a veteran would almost always pick up the tab for the whole team. That's sweet. <laughs> but it was so cool just having like 12, 15 guys that were just sitting down at dinner, just enjoying our time. Like, um, it just really like helps you grow together as a team and, um, just experiences like that or things that I'll ever forget for sure. Do you ever stop and be like, this is my job? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know there's so much that goes into it. It is your job, but like, yeah. are there ever those moments where you're just like, I can't believe that I get to do this for a living? Yeah, it's still, I don't know. I probably don't re reflect on it as much as I could just because during season, it's so, so much of a whirlwind in. and I can't. I don't know. I don't really like, I guess I probably do have the time to, but I don't actually sit down and do that. But, um, there are times when I like sit back and think, and it's, it's just wild. Like just to have the blessing of being able to play major league baseball alongside all these guys and, um, just do the play the sport that I've, I love and have always wanted to is it's amazing. Do you one day hope to be the veteran that's picking up the tab for the uh, for, <laughs> for the young guys and they're looking up to and asking all the questions? Is that the goal? Yeah, I definitely want to be able to pass that on, pass on the gift that I mean, I'll I'll always remember the veterans that treated me really well like that, you know. So I want to be able to pass that on to the younger younger guys and um, definitely now uh, we still. I mean, this past year we had some younger guys that came up, so I was able to help out some guys with. I don't know, even basic things like, oh, where's the batting cage? You're like, oh, it's over there. Like, <laughs> I know where that is. Someone asked me a question. <laughs> Someone know? asked me a question. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those so. guys, Randy Rosarena? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Randy knows how to say that sentence in English. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. Does, he doesn't speak a lot of English. Not very well, No yeah. way, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. He's hilarious, though. Is he? That guy's the best, yeah. Yeah, he had a crazy. So good, yeah. He had a crazy ending to his season after being traded from oh, the Cardinals. Oh, my gosh, huh? yeah. What were, you, what were you like watching that, watching him, you know, take his team the world series it was um i mean every time he did a home run i would just laugh be like yeah. randy's so good but it was funny because i i saw that i saw him have those stretches in in double a and triple a he would just be the best player in the world for like a week or two um and just completely dominate and to see him take that to the major leagues was amazing and he, he was hot for like two full months two full months yeah like, i mean at the clutch time Clear, I, I, yeah. what, he set a bunch of records right didn't he yeah, set like he the set, world series home runs yeah he had the most home runs i think most it might have been most hits in the playoffs too but yeah clearly he figured something out that he's able to make a click and like kind of going back to what i was talking about the, the hot streak he yeah. made that hot streak stretch out two months which right. is something that baseball players dream of and yeah. when you're, especially in the postseason, right? Oh my gosh! And yeah. when you're hot, you're hot. Like that's yeah. I remember the commentators just being like, "Yeah, like when you're yeah. hot, you're hot." You're, it's just ridiculous. It's like it's yeah. it's statistically defying, you know, crazy things that you're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of, I mean, I think what Randy does really well is he does a really good job of sticking with the basics. Because I think I think there's no way that he's thinking about too much stuff when he's up at the plate. He's not thinking, oh, is he going to throw me a curveball? I think he's just seeing it and reacting. And um, that just shows you that you can have like very, very different approaches and still be successful. Right. Yeah. Because he just kind of gets up there, lets it fly. Yeah, yeah. And did, were, you in, were you in the same minor league teams together? Because was he in the I Cardinal was. system? Right. He was. I played with him actually in, in Palm Beach in high A. 
uh, Springfield and Memphis. So three different levels. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Were you hitting them up <laughs> after the, uh, after the series Did you hit them up after? No, I, I didn't. <laughs> I'm I sure he's getting blown I'm up. I'm sure he's yeah. getting blown up. Yeah. I know they, uh, they came out on the other side, but that was, uh, wow. How has your, yeah. um, how has your love for the game changed or evolved? I mean, now that you're doing it professionally and now there's, it's a career, there's a paycheck attached to it. Does that change yeah. anything for you? Does it make you love it more? Does it make it love you love it less? What's what's your relationship with that? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I have the same love for the game. I know a lot of people kind of not necessarily get washed out, but more just lose that, uh, I guess, devotion. And uh, once, once money and start to treat it as more of a job, and I definitely haven't gotten to that. Um, I think that almost my dedication has definitely grown stronger now that this is my career. And I need to be pouring like all my heart and soul and energy into this. Um, so I think I've I've definitely uh, increased the energy that I put into it, whether that's things like uh, studying the mechanics of the swing or studying pitchers more often. Um, it's just evalu- self-evaluating and thinking about how I need to improve and what I need to be doing this off season, uh, working harder in the weight room, uh, making sure I'm taking care of my body. Um, so I would say it almost has... It's definitely changed. My relationship, I guess, has changed in terms of um, being just like a game and a fun thing to do to being more of a career, but it's a career that I love. So it's not, I would say it's a career that I love rather than being like a job. I like that. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's a a subtle distinction, but it's a really powerful one, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. Because now that it is a career that you love, you can pour even more of yourself Mm -hmm. into it and it almost gives you permission to go even deeper yeah, <laughs> and yeah. just really focus on dedicating your entire self to it without any Absolutely. exceptions. But I still, I still definitely need to make sure that I'm not, uh, viewing like my career as my sole identity. Interesting. You know? yeah. yeah. Tell me more about that because I feel like that makes sense, right? You're working a nine to five job, whatever. It's like, this is a component of what you do. Yeah. How do you, cause you're a husband, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and you play a lot of different roles as well. You have a lot of different interests and hobbies. Like how yeah. do you, how do you compartmentalize that? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's extremely important because, I mean, baseball could be taken away at any moment. Say I have a horrible injury and never able to play baseball again. If my entire identity is wrapped up in baseball, then once that's gone, I'll be like, what do I do now? You know. So I have I have an amazing wife that <laughs> that's uh, my family now, and um, I love, and so she's a huge part of my identity. My identity as a Christian man is uh, a huge part of um, who I am as well. Um, and also just thinking about things that, uh, interests that I have outside of baseball, because I'll be done at baseball by the time I'm 37, 38, maybe 40, if I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I still have 50 years to live, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So 60, I, 60, 60. 60. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, just realizing that it's not always going to be about baseball, I think is really important as well. And bringing that balance within, I imagine it's gotta be quite a fine line to play because especially in season, right? When you're in season, like, you know, you swing out of bounds and you're focusing a lot more on career. And I see this in business, whatever you're gearing up for a startup launch or something, or there's seasons like seasonality that comes where you have to uh-huh. be fully, fully focus in. What do you do to yeah. maintain that, to maintain those other relationships and to maintain uh-huh. that balance during those times? Yeah, it's, I mean, it is really, really tough, especially during season. Like I, I definitely have to make sure I carve out uh, certain portions of my day. Like I need to be spending time with my wife. I can't just come home from the field and uh, just be completely wrapped up in baseball stuff. Like I need to be engaged with her, talking about, to her about how uh, how her day's been, making sure I'm showing my love for her. Um, and that's been a, a huge thing for me this year because this is the first year that we actually uh, lived together throughout the year. So we learned a lot about each other during this first year. Um, 
And also, uh, in regards to my Christian faith, yeah. I definitely need to be making sure I'm carving out time for prayer and for um, getting into the Bible as well. So it's making sure I'm uh, setting aside that time um, to separate, like separated from actually being at the field. You got to make that effort. Uh-huh. I know. I know what a lot of guys do too is some guys enjoy living farther from the field so that that drive is like the transition. Mm. Like, okay, I'm with my family now. My time's devoted to my family. Drive to the field. Now it's baseball. Drive back home. During that drive, it's the transition. And then now it's family time again. Interesting. So, Are, do you live close to the field? We're about 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So that's still about decent. Yeah. You're not like walking across yeah, the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some guys like living like 45 minutes though. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So like really, really commute. Yeah, yeah. That's really, I, I'd love to hear more about um, the role that faith plays and mm-hmm. being a Christian man, how that plays into your life. Yeah. And how that's evolved from when we were younger kids into what it is now. Yeah, definitely. So um, it my faith is definitely something that I've kind of taken into my own hands in the past few years. I know growing up in high school, our family would go to church all the time, every Sunday, and um, it would be more, more of like a family event. And I didn't necessarily um, embrace it as my own. It was more just something that our family did. And then going off to college, um, I'm out on my own, so I need to figure out what that faith means to me specifically. Um, so in the past few years, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be around a bunch of really, really good uh, Christian leaders. Um, I've had some mentors who have helped guide me through uh, kind of starting with uh, reading through the, the most important parts of the, I mean, not that the Bible isn't all important, yeah. but um, the, uh, I guess, the foundation um, of Christianity. So I've kind of learned more about that. Um, I'm still learning. I, I still haven't finished the whole Bible yet, but it's something that I'm working on throughout this year um, and really uh, working on my personal uh, relationship with Jesus. So mm-hmm. it's definitely something that I, I have had to uh, take into my own hands in recent years um, to kind of work on myself rather than just being like a whole uh, family thing, I guess. Got it. But, Interesting. Yeah. It's so fascinating because I've talked to a lot of people as well. I've had a very similar parallel path with Judaism mm-hmm. and going to call after, you know, in college and coming out of college and reconnecting with a rabbi who really like helped me just view it differently and just like, yeah. oh, wait, there actually might be some value here. Like there yeah. might be something, some wisdom here and something that can actually help me live a better life. Yeah. And starting to dive into that. Would you say it was a similar kind of process for you? What other catalysts were there to bring you back and fully take control of it? Yeah, 100%. I'd, I would say that there was. A- the mentors was a huge part of it. And also just being surrounded by um, those like-minded people. Like you with your rabbi, I'm sure you learned a ton from him yeah. that you were able to kind of incorporate that into your own life. And what, I'd, what I've seen from the mentors that I've had, I see things that they do and be like, wow, I want to be like that. So I incorporate that into my own life. Um, and I think that that has just been so big. And actually one thing too that has really transformed my faith as well is going through um, the tough times. Because going through tough times, you need to figure out what you uh, can fall back on. Um, and oftentimes during that is when I get deeper into scripture, deeper into prayer, and it really ends up strengthening my relationship. So Amazing. Something you said to me the other day was... Uh, you have to be equally, what did you say? Equally yoked. Equally yoked yeah, yeah. when you're talking about your wife. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> kind of be on the same page uh, in regards to our faith. And um, just so we can build each other up and we're kind of growing at the same rate rather than one of us being up here and one of us being down here. And we're kind of gr- growing the distance. We're both on the same level and able to grow at the same pace. Has that helped you? 
hundred percent. Yeah. That's something that's been important to both of our families is making sure we're, um, keeping Christianity at the center of our marriage and something that we want to be able to, uh, uh, encourage our children to, to make part of their lives as well. That's very cool. Yeah. Speaking of challenge, what, what do you feel like has been, I remember in high school when you had shoulder, you had to get shoulder surgery, right? I did. Yeah. Dis, was it dislocated your shoulder where you tore your leg or something? Yeah. Dislocated. What happened? It, you ran, yeah. Did you run into a wall? Was I did. It? Yeah. <laughs> I was running to catch a pop-up and I reached out like that and my shoulder just dislocated oh, out. Oh man. Yeah. I remember that was pretty challenging for you. Like you went yeah. through a process to, yeah. to get back. Was that, it? And that was a challenging time, obviously. It was. Yeah. Um, but now thinking of it, it was probably, um, it was probably a, a pretty big blessing because I was able to get that surgery done because clearly there was something wrong with my shoulder. So I was able to get that surgery done and get it treated in high school rather than having it pop up in college when I'm trying to start uh, jumpstart my pro career, professional career. So it honestly was probably a good thing that it happened when it did. Um, and now looking back on it, that probably was the start of me realizing, hey, I probably need to take good care of my body too. So very that was, cool. Yeah, it's it's amazing to be able to look back and and really be grateful for mm-hmm. the challenges. Yeah, to really know that you because re- there's value in there, right? There's so yeah. much value to be had in there. Like you said, those, those are times that make us. And so I love that you're able to look back and be like, yeah, I'm actually grateful for that because of these reasons. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's important, and just like being able to take those lessons out of that and uh, use it in my my day to day life now. Yeah. Yeah. Was there was there another challenge um, in your career, perhaps, or or through baseball? Like, what would you say the biggest challenge that you faced is? Um, I think just when I that year I was talking about when I got to the minors, when I I got called up to a level I probably wasn't ready for yet. Um, that was probably the point where I was thinking, huh, maybe I I don't have what it takes to go all the way. Um, and at that off season, I pretty much had the choice to, um accept that and be like, okay, this is who I am as a player or really work hard, um, to try to improve what I needed to improve on. And, um, I think going from that, I, I decided to really commit myself to it be like, okay, I can make this change and I'm going to bring it over to next year. Um, so that was probably the most challenging part of my baseball career was making that full commitment to being, okay, I want to make myself the best baseball player that I can possibly be. Perhaps, um, perhaps also the most pivotal point yeah, in that case too, right? Definitely, yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's really, really, really exciting, man. I love that. I love to be able to look back at that and to be able to really have that that grateful that that gratitude for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this has been an awesome conversation, bro. Um, yeah, it's been- uh, I'm learning so much, and the parallels around baseball and life are just <laughs> yeah, yeah, so insane. If there was one piece of advice that you could give to young baseball players who want to Oof. who want to play at uh, the highest level, what would that advice be? I would uh, for younger kids, I would say the most important thing is making sure you're. Um, going outside every day, whether that's playing baseball or playing another sport, um, and really working on, uh, just becoming more athletic. I think if you watch all the best baseball players, um, so many of them played multiple sports in high school. Um, and I think that just making sure that you're not staying focused on one thing, um, is really, really important and not fully, fully, uh, committing your identity to just, I'm a baseball player and Mm. that's it. I think making sure you're keeping that balanced lifestyle as well. 
I love that. that. And that's something you always did because you did mm-hmm. a bunch of different things, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you remember when you were younger, like swimming was your favorite sport. Right. Oh, yeah, even, yeah. even over baseball. I don't, I don't know if I ever liked swimming that much. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you, were a, you were a baller swimming. I did a lot, did swim you did a lot, a lot of yeah, swimming. Yeah, yeah. You know, show up with like markings on your arm from oh, for swim the practice. Swimmies? Yeah, yeah for I the totally swim agree. meets yeah. and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, swimming, if it was, yeah. you know, in the classroom, you were great. Social mm. life, all those different things. So you really have that balance, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Just having, I think having that balance is huge really important in life and i think it just make your your mental state be a lot better as well yeah i love mm-hmm. that and and also i would be remiss to not mention the fact that your your siblings are now in professional baseball as well yeah that's right that's right it's, <laughs> well, we're just a baseball family you're yeah. a baseball family through and through that's yeah. hilarious so yeah. so take me through what are, what are your brothers and sisters doing so they both are in the analytics side of baseball they're both uh my brother was an applied math major um who did a lot of statistics work and my sister was computer science so baseball um baseball statistics there's been a, a huge developments in just the past 10 years actually dating back to um, probably the, the year of Moneyball. Right. Um, so I think that was 2003 or four, maybe. Um, but ever since that, analytics departments in baseball teams have been growing at a crazy rate. Um, so my brother works for the Minnesota Twins in the analytics department now. My sister works for the Cardinals, actually. Um, and they are both able to apply what they love doing. Um, my sister's computer science major um, into uh, a field that they're interested in because um, they're both extremely interested in sports as well so i think it's really cool to see them both doing what they love that's so cool do you think that you would be doing something similar if you weren't playing i probably would be doing something similar yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. so if i wasn't we'd have all three of the siblings all doing the same thing pretty much (laughs) that's right i just remember johnny your brother johnny from a young age when we were playing when we were 10 years old he had his palm pilot out and he was calculating all the analytics and all the things i remember he came up to me he's like all the different batting averages from the team against the right-handed left-handed pitcher it was the craziest (laughs) thing i remember josh you need to have better at bats with two strikes here's here's your batting average yeah That is yeah. so, so funny. Yeah, man. no, he's always been built out for that, for, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, Tommy, man, thanks for coming on, bro. It's been of a course. pleasure of a conversation and um, wishing you all the best success coming up here in the off season and into next season. Hopefully we get more of a regular season next yeah. year. Oh, we're hoping so. We're hoping so. so. Yeah. Hopefully we can uh, we can go out and get out to Bush Stadium and watch you guys play. That was yeah, fun. Yeah, we got to get you out there again. Yeah, so fun. Tear man. apart Ballpark Village. That's and, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Much love, dude. And we'll all talk right. Soon. Thanks again, Josh. See you, buddy. Boom.